Hello and welcome to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. I'm Dane, the red book head. Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games, where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and play some games sometimes. Dane, what the hell are we talking about today? And why well, did you say the red book head? Uh, we have been playing some Forbidden Lands um, with Enzo. You may have caught our episode and maybe a bonus episode or two. Uh, so now comes the review. Mm-hmm. This was, um, I believe we talked about it when we kicked off the first play episode, didn't we? We well, might have mentioned done. we were going to yeah. do a review. So this is this is it. Um, this is our first uh, like major review. Well, okay, it's our first like dedicated episode to review a you know another published system. Which we think is cool. We like to try new systems. We like to play different games. Um, and we like to learn new things. And we do that sometimes. And this time, we're like, well, let's actually record it and talk about it. Yes. Um, so, it can be a little tough to, like, review and critique mm-hmm. tabletop role-playing games. Because, uh, I mean, it's just m- so much taste and preference yeah. go into it. Right? So... Yeah, we decided at the beginning we're not going to do any sort of, like, rating scale. uh, And we're not even going to necessarily recommend or not recommend this. But Mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about our experience and our feelings about it. And um, because now we've actually played a fair bit. We've played some hours and a couple different characters each. Well, two, but some. Well, and I ran that little one. Yeah. Yeah. but, you know, so, like, being a published, well-established thing, it's obviously, you know, of a high quality. It's not like, you know, some piece of shit that two guys just, like, cobbled <laughs> together and, uh, you know, sent into the ether. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about nobody in particular here. Mm-hmm. Ha, 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 ha. So, yeah. In addition to just, like, there, there is a bar of quality that this product is above in terms of the game mechanics like it's it works it's a well-written game and when you read the book you know how to play it and then you play it and everything works and in addition to that the physical package is pretty high quality we've got the stuff here in front of us um they're like you know hardcover fake leather books they're stitch bound with you know awesome like they're high quality and the other stuff it gives you, it gives you a little pamphlet that helps you do some of the, like, random generation stuff it asks of you. Um, it comes with a big-ass map, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and stickers. You're supposed to, like, as you play, you're supposed to kind of build the world and find things in it and put stuff there. And then, like, if your characters die, all that stuff is still there. Mm-hmm. Your new characters are playing in the same world. Yeah. Well, so, let's, before we get too far yeah, into yeah. it, right... So, uh, like, it is a high-quality thing. We're going to talk about our experience with it and, you know, what we liked, what we didn't like. And by the end, you'll hopefully know something about this game and be able to maybe make a decision if it's for you or not. Right. I mean, of course, we're going to start with a quick, uh, you know, setting primer. You know, what is the world of the Forbidden Lands? Because mm-hmm. it's not just a rules system. There is a setting built into it as well. Right. And then, of course, you know, basic mechanics. What are the rules in this setting? Mm-hmm. Um, then we're going to talk about its unique selling points. Mm-hmm. And then just our overall impressions mm-hmm. of playing it and running it a little bit. Yeah. So, let's get into the setting. The setting of the Forbidden Lands. Um, I Okay, so I see these two terms kind of thrown around and I don't believe anyone's done a great job of nailing down the difference between high fantasy and low fantasy what would you call this I would call it classic fantasy it is pretty classic and I, I guess. think that like, usually goes into high fantasy yeah but there's a there's also a grittiness and a grim dark to this like there's yeah. magic and stuff mm-hmm. but it's a lot of just like you know Hitting each other with sticks, especially at the early... Yeah. I mean, I think low fantasy would be, like, 
it's mainly the same like world it could be set in the past but there's mm. like some differences like maybe there's magic or maybe like you know the cold war didn't end when it did yeah. in real life or something like that <laughs> like uh okay so a low fantasy maybe a song of ice and fire the book's not the movie or the show where like you know the dragons are everywhere and there's a lot more magic going on but the books where magic is like barely there and kind of tough to pin down and mostly yeah. it's just like regular medieval shit i mean i would agree with that i don't know if anybody on the internet would but that's just because they didn't just define the terms like we did mm-hmm. okay so it's a yeah it's a pretty classic fantasy setting there's your classic elves dwarves humans orcs goblins in a scary kind of forest mm-hmm. zone well let's let's start from the beginning yeah. right okay. so in the beginning of the Forbidden Lands, uh, there was nothing. Uh, sorry, I started a little too far back. And then these guys wrote a book about it. <laughs> um, and then there was books about it. So, like, one of the, the gods got together and made a world, right? And then one of the gods was like, I'm going to put some shit on that. And he's like, elves, fall to earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the elves were, like, ruby stars, very kind of high fantasy. Mm-hmm. I love that. All the all the kin in this setting have like. You're not just like oh, it's a fantasy elf with generic, um, you know, elf connotations. There's the elves in this setting fell from the sky mm-hmm. as crystals, and their bodies are like a magical manifestation of their personality around a crystal. Right. It's and cool. The, and the god was like, make some cool stuff. And then another god was like, I'm going to make dwarves, and they're going to have their own deal. Like, I'm going to make them out of clay, because my name is Clay. Um, You know, so, like, classic fantasy. Mm -hmm. Elves are, like, high, you know, cultural, you know. They do the good magic. And the dwarves are, like... Oh, I love the earth, and we make mines and craftsmen and whatever, right? And then there's other stuff. There's, you know, the Saurians. There's lizard folks and orcs that live in the woods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they all have stuff like that. And right. then humans came along so, to like, wreck everything. So the world was great. Yeah. Like, elves and dwarves and halflings were all chilling, having a good time. And then, like, the human god was like, I'm going to give half of the world to humans. And then, of course, the humans kind of fucked that up and then went into, like, the northern lands where it's like, oh, all the elves and dwarves are hanging out having a good time. We want a slice of that. And then, of course, war. Yep. couple different ones. couple different groups of humans from different places come to the Ravenland is what they call it. But, the, right. you know, the Forbidden Lands. Um, and then that's like where orcs come from is the god was like, okay, well, the humans are going to get some stuff like chill out. Let's not kill each other. We're going to give you orcs, dwarves and elves. You guys are in control of the orcs. Of course, then they treated them like slaves and the orcs rebelled and then more war. And of course, then, you know, some human wizard fucked everything up by like opening mm. some magic he shouldn't have been fucking with. And, uh, you know, demons and monsters and all the nasty stuff came and kind of had an apocalypse. Mm-hmm. There was a magical apocalypse, covered all the land in an evil red mist full of demons, cut everybody off from each other, and that lasted for however long. Like 200 years yeah. or something like that. And so now the game, as you play the Forbidden Lands, it takes place in an era where like the red mist has started to lift, and all these like little pockets of civilization are try- are starting to venture back out into the wilderness mm-hmm. and make contact with each other again and you know maybe put stuff back together or probably just kill each other. Yep. Very much. So, very cool world full of danger and ancient lore and artifacts and mm-hmm. nasty monsters, dark magic and demons and everybody's, you know, everybody's got stuff that they want to do. And other people in the way. So, pretty fun setting. And uh, well written, I think, in that it leads you, you know, you're, you're reading about this, the premise of this new fantasy world. And you're like, oh, cool. We've done this before, probably. You've, you know, started a new fantasy series from the beginning. And you got to, like, learn the basics of it. 
this one, I think, does a really good job leading you up to that threshold and then being like, this is the now. This is when the game happens. Now make a character for this. So. Uh, so let's crack open the red book here. The player handbook. Right? So you start by making a character just like in most tabletop role-playing games, right? So that involves a couple things. Mm -hmm. You know, first you got to pick your kin, right? Are you an elf kin, dwarf, halfling, human, wolfkin, um, etc. Mm -hmm. There are multiple of those. And, you know, they each have their own deal, their own culture, um, mm -hmm. and special stuff that we'll get to a little bit later. Yeah. Um, right? So once you have your... Uh, your kin. Your kin, right? You move on to your profession, which is basically just your class, right? Like, yep. you can be a hunter, a druid, a sorcerer. Mm -hmm. A fighter. Mm -hmm. And that gives you... That gives your character some things that they can do as well. It also dictates a little bit about your attributes, which come next after the profession. And so the attributes in the Forbidden Lands, there's four of them, right? Which is, I think, a nice, uh, refreshing thing to having, you know, like eight or ten. It's all distilled down into four in yeah. the Forbidden Lands. Which is not unusual in a lot of newer games not everyone does the same you know six as D D or whatever mm -hmm. um but yeah so everything everything that you do in the forbidden lands is governed by one of these four attributes and then underneath each one are some skills right so like strength agility wits empathy mm -hmm. right too physical too mental pretty cool mm -hmm. right and then like so your kin uh has a, a key attribute Right, and your profession also has a key attribute, right? and it and a key attribute is something you can put more attribute points into. Yeah, right. Like I think the max is four, unless it's a key attribute, mm -hmm. then it's five, and if it's a double key, then it's six. Yeah, which so you max. max out at six, um, and then you have skills, which also can be um, key for your yes uh, for your profession. Which, you know, you put a couple points into those. You spread out, I forget how many when you start. Well, it depends on your age. Yeah, that's also, right. yeah. You, um, all well, the different kins have different age things, first. but yeah. So, and then there, to round out your character, you got your talents. Uh, which, some are passive and some are active. Um, there's a system called willpower, mm -hmm. um, which we'll get into a little bit later. But, uh, so there's like what your character is made up of, right? Mm -hmm. And the little things like, so age. Yeah. So um, every kin in its little description in the book, every kin says how... Uh, what counts yeah, as... What counts as well, young, what counts yeah. as adult, what counts as old. Yeah, so there's three classifications for age, young, old, uh, adult, and old, mm -hmm. right? And, that and I think it was really cool how they did that. So like, if you're young... You have a lot of attributes because, like, you're, you know, a hot high school bod. Mm -hmm. But you have less skills because you've been around a yeah, lot less. You don't know as much stuff. Mm -hmm. And same with talents. You have less talents because you haven't you gone haven't out learned, and experienced. You haven't learned how to do as much stuff. And become good at something. Yeah. And then an, a, an adult, you know, the, the amount of attribute points, the amount of skills, and the amount of talents you have access to changes based on how old you are. And, you know, you can kind of make that up for yourself or you can use the, you know, the random generation mm -hmm. tables, which this book is full of. This book lets you do that. Well, this book will, this game will kind of run itself for you if you let it. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that concept a little bit later, too. So, and, well, and so one cool thing about the elves is they all are adults because yeah. like. You know, they're, they've been around since the dawn of this, you know, world, and they're immortal, and, like, they don't really age, and they're, like, projections of light, and so they just count as adults, mm -hmm. um, instead of having, like, a, you know, you can't be a young elf, you're always an adult. Right. I thought that was pretty cool. Makes it, um, th there's significant 
gameplay impacts to choosing different kins versus other kins, and I think that's cool. And this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Elves have very different sense of age and time to the other kins, and that's reflected in the rules of the game system. So that's pretty neat. Um, see what else about like characters? Uh, I guess right. so. There's pride and dark secret, mm-hmm. which uh, come into gameplay in a pretty cool way. Right. So like a pride is something that this is something your, your character is proud of, obviously. Yeah, and it's usually tied to a gameplay mechanic that they're good at. Yeah. So like, you can activate your pride after you fail a roll. Mm-hmm. So like for example, my character. Uh, that I was playing, he was a hunter, and his pride was his arrow always hits the mark. Mm-hmm. So, so when you miss, I miss an arrow shot, I could say, I activate my pride, and you get yourself an extra dice. Mm-hmm. You get to try and make that true mm-hmm. with another roll. So, how the dice work, speaking of dice. Yeah, let's get into that, because... Uh as probably the most defining thing about this game is how you um, how you roll for stuff. So, we talked about how you have your attributes, and then under your attributes you have your skills, and then there are some talents, which mm-hmm. occasionally factor into that. So if you're going to do an action, say hit someone with a sword, you build a dice pool, and it's all run with d6s. So you take as many d6s as your strength attribute, mm-hmm. which is what you're going to use to hit somebody. So you get like, you know, three or four dice for that. And then you get some more dice for your melee skill. Mm-hmm. You put them all together, but keep track of them because they're different. Right. And then also, of course, every adventure has got to have gear, yeah. which we didn't get into, but like that's just... Your profession your gives standard, you some starting gear. Standard gear. A sword, gear, a shield, a little bit of money type of stuff. Standard fantasy gear. Yeah. Um, but... Your gear can also add dice to your dice pool right. in the form of gear. If you're dice. using a weapon, you add a dice for it. Maybe more if it's a really good weapon. Yeah. Then you get all that dice together. That's your dice pool, and you roll it all at once. And what you're looking for is a six. In most cases, you just need one six to succeed in an action. Mm-hmm. Some cases, like contested rolls, you need to beat the amount of sixes that the other roll right. has. But usually, it's just Right. So and, many I mean that's a really cool thing. That's really simplified. Like there isn't a, a difficulty and like right. you don't have to roll like above it. You just need it's success or failure. Yeah. Right. And it's set. So if you get a six, you succeed, you go on to the results of whatever action you were gonna try to do. If you roll no sixes, you fail. If you roll no sixes and there's ones in your dice pool, then bad stuff happens. Well, only if you push, right? Yeah. Remember, so when you fail a roll, I think actually you don't have to fail. You can always No, you push. can push for greater yes. results, mm-hmm. and but then you risk greater failure. Right. So if you want to push, if your character pushes, like I really need to hit this enemy with a sword. So you take all your dice that weren't ones or sixes and you re-roll them. Now... Ones are counting when yeah. you push. So for every one on your attribute dice, that does one point of damage to your attribute, mm-hmm. right? Which de- then decreases your later dice pool for that attribute. Right. Any ones on a gear dice also decrease the effectiveness of that gear. That piece of gear. until uh, So a sword can break. Mm-hmm. If you fail badly with it, it can... You know, it can break in your hands, and it's cool to have the dice keeping track of that mechanic for you mm-hmm. instead of, like, having to track weapon condition or whatever, the way, yeah. like, you know, the Witcher games. It's like, oh, your sword's at however much percent. You need to go get it sharpened. The dice is just keeping track of that and might break your sword. Cool. If that happens. Right. However, you do get something out of... Uh, pushing mm-hmm. when you roll ones, you gain a point of willpower, mm-hmm. which is very important for magic users. Yep. And for most most characters will have a talent or something well, that relies yeah, on willpower. Kin, and... kin and profession talents are usual 
are powered need, by willpower. Yes. Yeah, you need to spend willpower to use that talent. So you have to you have to play the game. You have to like be making rolls. You have mm-hmm. to fail sometimes and like push for greater results in order to build up your willpower, in order to have this meta currency mm-hmm. to be able to spend mm-hmm. on your more powerful abilities. And those of you who remember us talking about Torg, uh, it might sound very familiar in terms of possibility points. Yeah, they're like that. It's yeah, it's it's a similar thing. So, you know, you have the willpower that you build up um, for magic users. You spend a willpower to cast a spell. And then you roll for, like, additional results and setbacks and stuff. But, like, you have to have willpower on marked on your sheet in order to power a bunch of your stuff. Mm-hmm. Which means you have to play. So it all just, like, feeds back into play in a, yes. in a pretty well-designed way, I think. All right, now I know the question you guys are all wondering. Uh, how do you do damage? Mm-hmm. How do you take damage? So it happens to your attributes. So there's no um, there's no hit points in uh, Forbidden Lands, and there's no armor class to roll against. There is armor can reduce damage, but damage it's like any is other done. gear. So armor gives you a dice pool yeah. for armor, right? You roll. If it's a six, then it negates a damage. A damage. In. If it's a one, your armor is is mashed. Yeah. Now, and if damage gets through, it is marked on whatever attribute you're taking damage on. So, um, you can die if you're like if you're not a very smart character, and you don't have very many points in your wits. Mm-hmm. You can get hurt pretty bad, real quick. By taking like mental you know, damage through a fear attack, yeah, right, or something like that. A you know, yeah, something scary in a dungeon overwhelms you, and you're like, okay, this is damage to your wits. Roll. Uh oh, that's more. That's more sixes than I have points in wits. Well, then you're broken. Yeah. Right. So when you're broken, uh, you well, it depends on what attribute is broken, right? But if your say strength gets mm. broken. Uh, you basically like collapse through pain or you know damage, and you can't do anything. No. Plus, when you're broken, uh, you suffer. You can suffer a critical injury. Yeah. Which is then like that like starts a death spiral, death spiral like a mm-hmm. you know a deadly it's critical injury. Unlikely you're going to recover in that combat, let alone yeah. session, and you might be dead. You might be dying real soon if you get mm-hmm. to that point. And it's fairly easy to get to that point if you get, you know, in a situation that your character's not good at. Yes. So it's pretty easy to get broken. It's a little bit harder to die, especially to kill, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's a that was a cool thing. So to actually kill a defenseless creature, which you can't even attempt to do unless they're broken in some way. Right. You have to do a coup de gras, which is a roll, but instead of trying to succeed, this time you're trying to fail. Yeah, you're failing at like the empathy, at mercy that would stop you from, you know, taking a life. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. Um, so a little bit like we're already kind of we're starting to bleed from the basic mechanics well, of the game into. I mean, I think those are you know. I think we ended there with basic mechanics. Yeah. Everything else is you know. Uh, a little more advanced and more of a unique selling point, right? Mm-hmm. So let's get into those. Let's talk about these things that make this unique. Well, we already talked about it a little bit when we, you know. When we talked about the setting. Yeah. So the setting's really cool. Mm-hmm. It also, um, so like it's very flavorful and it, it brings you in. It's like, oh, cool, familiar but new fantasy. It like it speaks the genre language of fantasy in a way that, you know, you don't have to do a lot of work to understand, but it's also, you know, fresh and different in its own way. And it, um, I, I think it mutually supports the gameplay. Like, the world is set up for adventurers, and the world is, you know, tailor-made for adventurers to get lost in it and for bad things to happen mm-hmm. to them, and... And it's more, it's very narrative uh, rather than like tactic, yeah. you know, tactics based. Um, you know, combat's very simple. There's not a lot of, 
you know, like in D and D, like you know, you can do all this yeah. shit. Like you can, you know, uh, sneak attacks and like mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it's all, all very tactical on a grid with right. you know with rules about distance and stuff. Combat is is much more abstract in the Forbidden Lands. Is like, are you close enough by you know these abstract zones? Okay, try and do an attack. And if you succeed, it's not about, like, I use this specific move. It's like, you succeeded. Describe what you do. And then you describe your sword attack or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's terrifically flavorful. And the setting and the gameplay mechanics, I think, go hand in hand to support each other in that. Yeah. Uh, another unique selling point... Uh, lot of uh, well-written, randomly generated tables. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, you can... There's a little, you know, book where it's just, like, uh, for your adventurers. And you can roll completely to to make a character. Yeah. Right? It will tell you everything. It will give you your, you know, some backstory points. It will give you, you know, your kin, your profession, your attributes. Uh, well, you know, your kin and profession and, like, life events suggest yeah. where you put your attribute and skill points. Right. And um, you'll get some of your gear that way. It won't mm-hmm. just be like the starting gear for a sorcerer or right. whatever. You'll get some of it along the course of your life, which you'll find out as you're rolling your character, which is cool. Um, lots of other games do this. This isn't a super unique thing to this game, but the way it's presented in this game and the quality of the results in these tables, I think is really good like if you look in the regular like fifth edition dungeon master's guide and look in the you know encounter tables and stuff mm-hmm. is not very inspiring no. content. and like they're like the game master book which is the green book like that has a huge big old section for like uh encounters mm-hmm. where it's just like oh you you know you roll two dice you know one for tens one for ones and then like you know, boom, you roll candle makers and there's like a little flavor text like outside a cabin, two women, one old and one younger stand next to a cauldron burning logs and then it continues, right? And then it, you know, says in plain text like what what's up with this? And like what happens? Mm-hmm. And I will say, again, not the first game to, you know, use tables and you know random dice results to generate in-game content but i want to stress the high quality of this writing and the like the interesting things that you'll find in here Mm -hmm. it's not just like you know here's 20 things that could attack you while you're walking through a forest right it's much more interesting than that and everything leads into narrative and you know reasons for your players to get involved in stuff um, and with all those cool. tables, uh, you can play it solo. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it's like really well designed for this with, with these tables, like the book is able to game master for you because this extends down to like monsters and enemies in combat. They all have like D six tables of what attacks they will do. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're willing to, like, spread out the material in front of you, you can... It's like playing Pokemon on the Game Boy. The book will be the computer that, like, runs the world against you. And you can just see how far your character makes. Right. Um, I meant to talk about this in the basic mechanics, but, like... So, because you can play it solo... Um, you could, like, make yourself a party of adventurers or just a single adventurer. Uh, but the world is quite dangerous. So, like, you definitely, there's a good chance you die in eventually. Mm-hmm. Right? And, like, they even say it in the Game Master book that it's part of the story. Right? Your player characters aren't Death. immortal. They're, but they're not expendable either. Right? You know, they're, they're meant to be part of a grand story. And there's got to be some death there. Right, mm-hmm. so you know, rejoice in their successes and mourn them when they die, but death is not a failure. It's just like you know, what do they always say? Death is a journey or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's just another. This is the next step whatever. type of thing, and so in this, 
Yeah. Your characters are expected to die. Maybe not, you know, in the first couple days of their adventure, but eventually. Um, and then when that happens, the the conceit is you're supposed to, like, mark where they died on the board. Make sure, because it comes with the big maps. I mentioned mm-hmm. that in the beginning. You're supposed to mark the hex where they died and mark all the stuff that they found along the way and then start new characters from somewhere else in the world and that stuff that they found is all still there mm-hmm. it still exists and it's meant to you know be persistent in the world yes there's no despawn rate mm. <laughs> so pretty pretty neat i think um but I have some other thoughts about that. Is there any other unique selling points we should hit before we talk about? No, we just didn't write any other down. I think I think that covers it. I mean, it's it's very cool and interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like we've played thousands of of tabletop role playing games, but it's definitely uh, an interesting one. Yeah. Um. So just overall impressions, huh? Yeah, let's let's move into these, um, and we'll just we'll go down this list. These are things that both of us have come up with, and. You know, some of them apply more to one of us than the other, maybe. But we're just we're going to talk about these. This is what we've thought as we've experienced the game over a good few hours. Um, my first one, it's fucking slow, and that might not be a super fair criticism of this game because I kind of think that anything, any game that doesn't fit on one side of one page is a little overdeveloped and is going to run slowly. But the way you have to build your dice pools and, you know, roll your dice to keep track of which ones are attributes and which ones are, um, which ones are skills, talent, gear, whatever. Then maybe you failed. So you push, so you got to do it all again, but keep track of failures. And then a success result still doesn't necessarily tell you what happened because the game master might have to roll on their side to, you know, see what happens on this table. So, especially in combat, this is a slow-moving game with a lot of consulting the charts and consulting the tables. Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was slow, but also like we're still new at the game. We we're only put fairly in, new. We only put in, you know, under like twenty hours. Mm-hmm. Right, we didn't even get our first 20 in, you know? That's true. And those are the most important, according to that one guy. Um, but that's not role-playing. That was just yes, a, different. a literary reference. Anyways, uh, so, like, I mean, like, any... Uh, it's not simple, right? There's no. books and yeah. books and books. It doesn't fit on one page. So, obviously, there's going to be a lot of flipping back and forth and, like, wait, how, does, how exactly does this role work, uh, you know? What are the rules here and what are the rules there? I think, you know, with time, just like anything, just like D&D, right? Eventually, you guys are going to... Players are going to get yeah. faster. Game masters are going to get faster at doing the, the, like, the counting up and the tallying and the and the, the rule checking. That definitely would come with time. The thing, though, that will always take a little bit of time with this game no matter your mastery is if you're like if you're sticking to the results of you know random tables Mm -hmm. then you're always going to have to be looking those up and you can be quick about it and you can get to know the book really well and know where everything is but still that moment of like it's never going to be just the game master reacting at the speed of thought to a thing that happened if you're sticking with the rules right. and yeah. going and reading the results of stuff. So that to me, uh, it, it gives, it gives slow. Yeah. To me. I mean, it's all, yeah. Role-playing games are always kind of slow. It just depends on what you spend your time on. Right. That's you true. know, you could spend three hours whittling down like a giant dragon. Yeah. Well, I don't think D and D is fast either. Yeah. That's enough. That's a complaint I have about. Well, yeah, I think <laughs> right. What you said, anything that isn't just like one page is gonna be pretty slow, mm-hmm. right? Just because there's so much uh, developed. Yeah. So you know, 
most of these things, I'll make a quick little prediction here. Um, they're going to say stuff about us as much as they say anything about the game. Yeah. I like less crunch mm-hmm. is the okay, upshot yeah. of this bullet point. I like less crunch and more just, you know, making it up. But, uh, okay, next thing. Well, so resource dice, I mean, it contributes to the slowness. It does a little bit. Lots of... Lots of things to keep track of, and especially which, like, you know, probably isn't a problem for a lot of role players is like never having enough dice because just like you always seem to have, you know, you always seem to buy more dice. You can always use more dice, mm-hmm. right? Oh, look at this dice set. I'm going to buy it. It's 15 bucks, um, which may or may not yeah. be true. I, I don't know. This game asks you to have a lot of dice yes. because it uses mostly d6s and a lot of them like you'd be rolling as much as like 12 d6s per action mm-hmm. um and they need to be separated in some way like you need to have right. green ones for your attributes and red ones for your talents and a gray one for your gear because they mean different things when they succeed or fail sometimes mm-hmm. so you know it does happen especially when you push yeah right but I think it is kind of cool that, like, attributes are a resource because uh, you don't have any health points. Yeah. But, like, you also can take attribute damage by pushing a roll. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, am I willing to push this roll and suffer some damage to my attribute, which will reduce my effectiveness later? Mm-hmm. Like, how important is this action? And I think that's that's really cool. Just like, uh, you know, in D and D, spell slots. Yeah. Like, do I need to do a second level spell right now, or should I save like, that slot for yeah. later? Mm-hmm. That type of thing. Yeah. This this game um, this game forces you to manage your resources because it's also broken up. Like overland travel is broken mm-hmm. up by days, and you've got four actions you can do in a day of travel basically and one of those has to be sleep or else mm-hmm. you start to suffer so like the the resource of your of your body and your mind your character's body and mind that that's enforced by the gameplay mechanics mm-hmm. in in a way that you know makes it so you have to think about it you have to be like all right what would my character do in this situation. But what I found is that I wasn't super thinking as my character all the time. I was thinking like, ooh, gameplay mechanics. If we don't spend the action to sleep, mm-hmm. then the next hex, if one of us fails a roll, then we'll be at a significant disadvantage because of sleepy. Mm-hmm. And that'll be bad for our dice pool type of thing. That's I, like I thought about it less in terms of narrative and more in gameplay mechanics because that's how it's enforced. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. That's just, it's how I thought about it. Yeah. I mean, and so in addition to like attributes as a resource, the game is very, uh, very developed on like, or very, uh, journey minded. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, like you were saying, like you can do basically like four things in a, on day a journey. Travel. Right. So, like, you, ha- you have to hike, right? And then, like, you need food and water. And, like, so you could, like, stop and forage and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the resources, how are they managed? They're not like, oh, you have, you know, you need three pounds of food a day or right. something like that. It doesn't say you have this many days mm-hmm. worth of food. You just, you have a dice. You have a dice number. And, like, you know, you start with it based on your character stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? So... When you consume a resource, you roll that resource die, which the highest is 12, lowest is 6. Mm-hmm. You know, 6, 8, 10, 12. Yes. And if you roll a 1 or a 2, you lose 1. You so lose you go a, down from yeah. an 8 to a 6. Mm-hmm. And if you're at 6, so you have to drink water and eat food every day. You roll that, and you're like, fuck, we ate our last food. I rolled mm-hmm. a 1. We ate our last food for today. Now... We know we're not going as far today because, because we have to we spend stop and get one food. quarter of the day trying for looking food. for food. And you might fail. Mm-hmm. So you might still be hungry later. Um, yeah. So, you know. I mean, I thought that was a really cool way to do it um, instead of like one 
leaving it up to the player to like manage their I have like six rations. I think so too. I think um I, I, I think the supply dice for food, water, torches Arrows. and ammunition. Yeah. I think doing it that way is maybe my favorite feature of this game. Mm-hmm. Because it does like it introduces a little bit of crunch. You can't just shoot arrows all day. But you don't have to keep track of every arrow shot. It's just narrative. Like, have I been shooting lots of arrows? Roll mm-hmm. and see. Ah. I didn't I wasn't topped off on arrows and I shot my last one at that last guy. And you don't find that out until the end of the combat. Or mm-hmm. you don't find out you're out of food until you like, you know, eat the last one for the day. So you have time to do something about it. Mm-hmm. But I like that method of tracking. I think that's and, yeah, I think I that's think a clever was, design. I think feature. it was very clever and also uh, like really perfect for finding that medium of like you want you want that like resource management to see like yeah you guys are out in the woods it's hard mm-hmm. but also it isn't so developed as just to be annoying where it's like. Uh, you know, like, hardcore survival modes in, like, video games, like, you know, Fallout. Yeah. Where it just becomes kind of annoying, and then you reach a point where it doesn't matter anymore. Like, at first, it's like, fuck, I need to find water, I need to find a bed. But then, a couple hours into the game, you're just like, yeah, I have a hundred water bottles stashed. I'm just going to keep, yeah, huffing stim packs and drinking water, and it won't matter. This makes it matter. Mm -hmm. And a bad die roll, not a bad die roll, but just like the chance of a die roll can be like, oh, hang on, here's a wrinkle, you're hungry. Mm -hmm. I I like that design mechanic. Uh, Okay. Do we think did that cover the like journey the hex crawl? Uh, I don't think it Not did. Really. We didn't. So like no. we mentioned the map and we mentioned that like it's a hex map where you go from hex to hex to hex, right? It's not like um, well, there's no like fast travel mechanic where it's just like yeah, you spent three days on the road um, because you have the resource die, you always have to go hex to hex to hex, right? So the journey. You can do certain things, right? A hike action says you can move two hexes in a quarter day. Except for in difficult terrain, then it's only one hex, right? But then, like, you have to think about food. You have to think about where you're going to camp. You're going to have to think about where you're going to sleep. And then, of course, if you, like, run into, like, a, you know, a bear or something. Every one of those actions comes with a, like roll for mishap. Yeah. And the game master will check the table and be like, hmm, okay, nothing happened. Or, you wandered into a fucking bog and your horse got stuck. Yep. That happens. Yeah. (laughs) More than you think, actually. And, yeah. So, you know, that's, that ties back into what we were talking about, Mm -hmm. about the, like, lots of well-written random tables. Each result Mm -hmm. of which basically tells a story. What I don't like about that, though, is it really, I mean, it slows down the game a little bit to where a game master could narrate that in, like, five minutes, right? Right. But because you have these resource dice and you can only move two hexes per hike or, you know, per quarter day, you know, it makes it like, okay, well, we actually have to you know, roll it all out and then, you know, it's been two hours and you've only moved two hexes and you haven't gotten to fight anything. You've just had to manage your resources. Which is where the crunch and the slowness kind of doesn't really do it for me because of what you said. Like, if I was game mastering an adventure like this, I could just have it where, like, every hex I roll a d6 and if it's a one, I make a small bad thing happen to you. Mm -hmm. And in... A fraction of the time, I could be like, oh, you guys get where you're going. But mm-hmm. partway there, you stumbled into a bog, and one of your horses has a twisted ankle, and tomorrow you can't move as fast. So right. fast. So much faster than, like, going through the tables mm-hmm. and rolling for results and getting over it. But for some well, people, that journey is the fun. And Right. For me, though, I'm more of a... I'm more of a um, Lord of the Rings type of adventure where it's like, yeah, the journey from Bree to Rivendell, 
Let's let's get some shots of them walking through the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Boom. Oh, now they get there. attacked. Yeah. Um, they get attacked on um, Weathertop, and that's like you know, let's focus in on that and spend a couple minutes doing that, and that's exciting and actiony. And, I think so. Right. Um, Elmore Leonard, who wrote the short story that became the show Justified, he said, "If it's boring to read, don't write it. Like, leave the boring shit out of your story." Cut to the interesting part and just say, like, they got to this part. Mm. And Matt Colville on his YouTube about D&D, he talks about that a lot. He talks about skipping the boring stuff and getting to gameplay. This game flies in the face of that advice mm. and really focuses on making the journey into the game. Yeah. If Which, that's what you want, this is what it does. Be, you're going to have a good time. I don't love that about this experience. No. Also, you can go a little too far if you're um, an a-hole like Patrick Ruffis, who's like, oh, this incredible <laughs> journey that, like, is super exciting. I'm going to condense that That's into true. one paragraph. Yeah, you can, and like, oh, this fun sea adventure that maybe could have been a book. And he's like, mm, that's just a mean thing to do. Yeah. To take that away from us. Anyways. Probably it wasn't a whole book. He was just like, how many interesting things can I allude to in one sentence? I know I'm not going to write it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's a separate thing. Our beef with Doors of Stone. Whatever. Fuck off. Okay, right, what's so next? Fells, you were a sorcerer. I was a sorcerer. Sorceress. Sorceress. I was a lady sorcerer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so magic is interesting. Magic is a type of talent. There's a handful, three, I think, magic professions. And each one has two different paths of magic that they can do. Might be more than that. I didn't. I only played one of them. Um, so each path of magic comes with eight spells. That's it. And the way they work is they require some sort of ritual or material. I was a path of blood sorceress, so I was able to work my magic by just like using blood or open flame I could do a lot of my spells the way it works is you spend a willpower point and the spell automatically resolves so the results of the spell as written happen you point it at whatever you want to point it at and it happens but you do still have to build your dice pool and make a magic roll and the results of it can lead to magical mishaps or to greater effect And you can gamble on a spell by spending more willpower. So you can increase the dice pool, hoping to, like, do a ton of fire damage. But with every dice you add to the dice pool, you're also risking magical mishap to your character. Mm -hmm. Not to mention spending that willpower. Spending the willpower, which you have to do other stuff to get back. I think it's a pretty well-designed magic system. The issue is in the... um, the limitations and utility of the spells. There's not very many. They don't do that much. So when you're a low-level sorceress, you can't do very much magic, but you also can't do very much else because your build is all doing that magic. Pretty limiting. I get the feeling it gets better as your character advances. It has a pretty generous XP system we didn't talk about. Well, let's talk about it now. Yeah. I think it's a really cool XP system where it's all it's all narrative based. There's a couple things in there that are like set in stone like, oh, how many new hexes did you explore? Each one's an experience point. Right? But some of them are really like, you know, did you suffer from your dark secret? Right? That's not something unless you let the game master know and be like i'm suffering from my dark secret right but are you going to share that with your players with your the rest of your party because it's Mm -hmm. a secret yeah you just say it but you know if it doesn't come up it doesn't come up you don't get the points for it but like oh did you like put your life in danger i mean that's a very subjective thing right well we rode a little bit at night there Mm could have been a monster at night we didn't see right but that's different from like, yeah, I got in a fight with some goblins mm-hmm. and we all had our swords and it was dangerous. But each could grant an XP point. Right. That's Depending. just up to the game master. Yeah. So it's very generous. The game master at the end of a session will give you probably between like two and five XP, depending on 
how long you played and what happened. Yeah. And then you just spend that XP on stuff. There's a table that, you know, allows you to improve your character by right. spending XP. You can improve your skills or talents, um, get new ones. Um, I think that's it. I don't think you can ever improve your attributes, right? Um, I don't think so. I think you have to get older. Hmm. I think I think the character has to age. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, this game, as we said, it's kind of all about the journey, not really about the destination. Like if you set up, if you set up a campaign of forbidden lands, like, oh, you're going to slay the necromancer and save the land. You're never going to fucking do it because you're going to spend so much time, you know, getting your horse out in the mud. Yeah. Um, but the, um, I'm sure there's a mechanic somewhere in there for characters getting older, journeying for long enough, and sure. Stuff. And like, I mean, because the game literally yeah. counts days, and when you get a yeah. stronghold, it so counts by like weeks. We, had, we and didn't years talk about the stuff. stronghold bit. So stronghold is kind of like the end goal, right? Your yeah. adventurers want to become rich enough and good enough to Build carve a, out their own yeah. little piece of territory to find an old castle and fix it up for themselves mm-hmm. and turn it into you know a landmark in the Forbidden Lands. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, time passage probably changes like, oh, well, we yeah. just spend, we spend a couple months fixing up the castle. The same way um, the overland grid travel turns each day into four dice rolls, I'm sure the stronghold section, we just didn't get to playing a stronghold, yeah. but I'm sure it does the same thing where it like, you know, turns a year into several dice rolls. Yeah. Operating your castle dice rolls mm-hmm. type shit. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so playing it, and then also I ran a little one uh, mm-hmm. that we didn't record. But uh, so being on both sides, both colors of book, um, <laughs> <laughs> both book. So yeah, the way you know combat works with the dice pools and the like, just the actions available to player characters, and like how damage is assessed. Um, it's definitely not a game with long combats and like um numerous uh enemies and Mm -hmm. everything um just because player characters are pretty fragile yeah right monsters are pretty tough Mm -hmm. um it has no form of like challenge rating balancing which it doesn't say like oh first couple days you shouldn't throw this at your players Mm. it makes no concessions about that you might fight anything in the first couple days just by accident and it might kick your ass touching something you shouldn't touch and the yeah it it's not necessarily going to be balanced to anything because that feature Mm. is not really built into this game right but the feature is like okay so now you know that there's a really powerful enemy there and don't touch his stuff so your next characters like let's try to avoid that Mm -hmm. and then you can work that in the narrative Then you're like yeah your next character hears rumors about like oh people go missing over there Mm. let's not go that way or let's do when we're stronger yeah um so yeah i think it would just be it is pretty hard to run something, um, you know, like a swarm. Well, actually, they do have swarms enemies, but, you know, they have specific rules and, like, you know, it's all written out in the mm-hmm. dice. But but combat is slow and, like, the same way D&D gets really slow with a mm-hmm. lot of yeah. with a lot of monsters and a large player party, this game slows the fuck down when multiple characters are involved in mm. something doing something and taking their turns it does not move quickly it's not a hack and slash with you know a bunch of cool moves for your characters to unlock to be really good at combat mm-hmm. it's uh i mean basically you got just the i attack or i do something else yeah it's not like oh well if we lure them you know away and like i can blast them with my fireball that's going to kill all of them and then like you got to sneak up on that guy and stab him in the back mm-hmm. and like or give you like a uh, divine smite or something on your weapon um yeah it like the game slows way the hell down 
when combat happens, which is fairly typical of most RPGs. But unlike, you know, what most people are pretty familiar with with D&D, when you get into, like, when the game slows down like that, you get into this, uh, like, micro-tactical game where it's about, you know, how many squares can I move? And then, like, make an attack, and will I still have enough squares to make it to cover type of thing? Um, This game doesn't have anything tactical or interesting going on at the combat level. It just slows way the hell down. Hmm. Which is fine, because it's supposed to be more narrative, right? Like, they make it really hard. You gotta do a coup de grace. You have to, like, do all these extra steps. Nothing tactical or mechanically interesting. Hmm. You can still make it interesting through narrative. And I think that's what this game is challenging game masters and players to do is to, you know, use their imagination, play mm-hmm. theater of the mind, and, um, yeah, enjoy the journey, I guess. Right, yeah, because, you know, it's the the skills are limited. There's only so many of them, right? However many is that character sheet. I don't know where it went. Um, there's 12, because there's only four. Yeah, attributes. There's four attributes, three skills for each one. Right, so whatever you do has to fall into one of those. Yeah, here it is. And, you know, there's not... There's uh, melee, marksmanship. And that's about it for... For getting in a fight. For getting in a fight. Yeah. You know, and there, you know, there's magic and, you know, that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, there's but, other things that can come to play in combat, but, like, there's only one kind of hit with a sword. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily to this game's detriment, you know. No. You might be the sort of yeah. person, and I, I definitely am. I don't enjoy the kind of, like, over-mechanicalized tactical combat of D&D, either. This... This isn't exactly what I want, but it's also, you know, it's not that. I'm not I'm not mad that it's not a really good, like, wargaming simulator about getting mm. in tactical sword fights in a dungeon. Because if I wanted that, we could play a lot more D&D. Or something. We, or something, you know, like that. Right. And we don't. There's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, yeah. it's a great role-playing game where it's it's good at the things that it's good at it's good at the narrative it's good at the the grinding journey uh you know a lot of endurance and like scout roles and survival yeah you know, it's good at that it's really good at that mm-hmm. so should we wrap this up with uh favorites. favorites and least favorites i think so um i got my f- favorite well, I got my two favorites, and I guess I got my least favorite. But I've I've. Are you gonna do two favorites? Basically. Yeah. Two favorites, one least. Um. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what uh, I. Got. What do you have? Another. Or think of another favorite. Then. Okay, I'll start with a favorite. Okay. Um, I, I love the uh, supplies and ammunition dice mechanic. I think that was great. I'm going to start stealing that for stuff. Not for Afterlife, I think, because we've um, you know, we've written that game to play the way it plays, but mm-hmm. in other stuff for, like, one-shots and shit. I like for tracking ammunition in a gunfight. Yeah. I think it's That's really good. Perfect. Hell of a design mechanic. So that's one of my favorites. Okay. Um, my most favorite favorite is um, the lore. Uh, like each kin has a big section and like it goes into like, oh, the individual groups and like clans of the kin, like, you know, there's these type of elves, there's these type of elves, there's these humans, there's these humans, you know, there's these type of halflings. Um, I thought that was super cool that, uh, they took the time to write all that cool shit down. Um, I really enjoyed reading all of it and you know definitely worth a read like if you find like a book at like the wizard's chest you know pop in and read you know spend 20 minutes reading that stuff because it's cool it's interesting Mm -hmm. and like 
it's good. It's well written. You stole my second. Yeah, second, because that was mine too. We this is what we tried to do with Afterlife is we tried to like write evocative descriptions of the mm-hmm. different like ancestries, the species your player can be, to give you a good like starting point for your role playing. And I think this game knocked it out of the park because you read about the orcs and you're like, okay, I know how to role play my orc. Mm-hmm. Doesn't tell you everything you need to know. You still have to like make up who your character is and like why they care about stuff. But your character's worldview is really well explained from the get-go. And then you get to like make your personal touches to it. Mm-hmm. Very well written, I think. Uh, okay, do you want to start with a least favorite? Uh, well, if, so if that was your second favorite... That was mine, yeah. Um, same same as your first. I'll just do my second favorites. Um, I really liked the, the map and mm. the idea of the hex crawl... Uh, I think mechanically, well, you know, it's a little slow, right? But the idea of like, here's a map and you have to move through it and anything can happen at any time and we got to use resources and like you get stickers to like mark down where shit is so you can always come back to it because like once it's there, it doesn't go away. I think that's really cool because you can go down the same road and experience it Something new every time. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So my least favorite thing is a little weird. Um, But honestly, kind of my least favorite thing about this game is that it's a pen and paper game. And let me explain what that means real quick. Uh, We talked about how it has all these like great, well-written random tables and how even like, you know, a monster in a combat has its actions kind of predetermined for it. Like, you can just roll a d6 and see what a monster does in combat. It tries to do it to you. You can play this game solo. And I kind of wish it wasn't a pen and paper role-playing game. I wish it was, like, a mobile game where, you know, you click your guy across a grid, Mm -hmm. across a hex grid, and you do an adventure, and then, like, narrative tables are rolled behind the screen by mm-hmm. dice then you don't have to like make look all these fucking and, dice yeah, pools yeah. and look it up and the computer would just give it to you mm-hmm. and it could have been this great like turn-based combat narrative phone rpg mm-hmm. and maybe someday it will but i think that would have been a better version of this product better use for all this writing that's my interesting yeah. Uh, mine is, uh, the skills. Um, okay. I don't, and like, this is just my personal thing. I don't like, uh, a, like a set list of skills where you have to like, think <coughs> like you explain, this is what I want to do. And then you have to have a discussion about, well, what skill is that? And it's mm. like, I don't know, but I want to do it. Cause then you start thinking in terms of the skills. Right. You're like, I can only do things mm. that are one of these skills. Right? And, like, yeah. So, like, I I like it being very loose of, like, you know, like, um, well, one afterlife. Mm. But, you know, like, um, or that's uh, the bubblegum one. Bubblegum was really cool. Right? Everything's just divided into... Are you kicking ass ass or or are you doing something else? Right? Yeah. Um, So where it's just like, here are the categories and they're very general and you can do whatever you want. Um, I just find that a little bit easier for me to role play a character when I don't have to think in terms of, well, is it manipulation or performance? Yeah. Well, it's a performance to manipulate. Yeah. How are you gonna? Like, how are you gonna my work goal that one? is to manipulate this guy into doing what mm-hmm. I want, but how I do it is I like put on a little act, and right? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel the same way about the skills. I I find the I find a finite skill list to be pretty limiting. Uh, or not limit. Uh, constricting. Constricting. Yeah. It it constricts thought and it constricts mm-hmm. gameplay and yeah. So. 
Okay, so what did we talk? We talked about the Forbidden Lands right. tonight. Dope-ass setting, classic fantasy. It's mm. got your elves, it's got your dwarves, it's got your orcs, it's got your humans, and others. Mm-hmm. There's more. There's more. There's like ten. Yeah. You can be a lizard. Mm. You can be a wolf. Uh, you can be a weird little leprechaun thing. Right. I mean, we talked about the character creation process, which is pretty cool. You can do it all just by rolling dice and looking on tables. Mm-hmm. Um when we talked about how once you have your character, we talked about the basic mechanics, how it's, right. you know, you build a dice pool, successes and failures, mm-hmm. pushing, using willpower, that sort of thing. Yeah. We talked about the things that are unique about this game system, the things that it's trying to sell you on. Right. The original setting, uh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Lots of random tables. Mm-hmm. Lots uh, of, yeah. You know, the fact that you can play it solo. It seems almost designed to be played solo. Sometimes the tables seem like they're trying to like write the game master out of a job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then we just talked about our general some impressions. Personal right? impressions and discussion points about it. Some good, some bad. We had a good time playing this. Yeah. Uh, we don't have universally positive feelings about this mm. game system. But, right, but now that we have it, I would play it again. Yeah, we have it, and it was good. And if someone was like, hey, I've got a Forbidden Lands adventure, adventure that I want to run for everybody, I would be like, sign me the hell up. Yeah. Because, you know, I love it when people bring me an adventure to play. Yeah. I mean, that being said, I'd pretty much sign up for anything, right? If someone yeah. was like, I got an adventure in the system, I'd be like, I'm there. Also, if if uh, anyone came to me and were like, hey, can you run an adventure for us? I would not pick this game. But, um, like we said before, (laughs) this is not an indictment or a rating or even necessarily a recommendation. You've heard what we have to say about it. Yeah. Um. Make up your own damn mind. Yeah, and make up your own mind. Because while some of our personal feelings definitely came into it, uh, I, I think we were able to be objective about what does work and what is not so fun for us. So, Mm yeah, I think, Yeah. That's We did what we tried to do. That was the Forbidden Lands, people. If that sounded cool, check it out. And even if it maybe didn't, it's a fucking cool product. Like, you yeah. get the box. The box come with nice books and the maps and the stickers. They and, look real good on the shelf. Yeah. It looks great, just like with your other board games and RPG shit. So, that, I think, about do it for us on this episode of Two-Headed Game Master you like our shit head over to 2hgm.com where we got well, you can find the got link a bunch of stuff. Uh, for afterlife yep. uh now uh published on drive through rpg yep both print and digital you buy the print you get the digital for free uh it's an original setting and game system post-apocalyptic north america very fun check out our twitter and our patreon as well we do stuff mm-hmm. and uh I think that about do it. Join us next time for another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. And thank you to the Burning Saviors for the use of the song Pond Hill is Finest. It's the intro and outro to our show. We'll see you next time. See you next time.